Wow, 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 wow. Welcome back to the Bare Minimum Podcast. My name is Steven Zokel. I'm your host. As you've heard before, I'm still here. They haven't gotten rid of me. By they, I mean my parents. I live with my parents. Anyways, we're going to just keep on going through that, okay? So, week, was this, 14? Yeah, 14. I think this is 14. Week 14? Or is it 13? Anyways, whatever week it is, Bears are facing the Texans in Soldier Field in Chicago wearing the flashback striped striped to death, striped to hell uniforms. I love them. Some people hate them. I don't know who hates them because I, I ain't friends with them, all right? But we go in to this game on a six-game losing streak. And we come out with a dub. What do you want me to say? Come out with a dub. Big win, 36-7. Mitch goes off. The defense goes off. The special teams... They go off as much as they can, seeing that they're just the special teams. They got that one fumble recovery. Santos got two field goals. Overall, a nice day. Nice day to to watch a team that you're a fan of win after a long time, after a month and a half, you know? Because I don't know what the point of being a fan of a team is if you're just rooting for them to to lose, you know. So yeah, it's nice to win finally one, you know, one game, albeit the Texans aren't exactly a you know, on fire right now. They're kind of bad. But that's okay cuz the Bears are kind of bad too. So, we're the least stinky team there. I said it. Least stinky team. I don't see how that's wrong, okay? But, you know, we're going to go through this game. And then I have some, uh, I have a, I have a segment that's called Player Watch. I've got a segment that's called Questions from the People. And uh, then, you know, I have some extra, extra just, you know, tidbits at the end that I wanted to talk about. So, I don't know how long this is going to be. Hopefully it's a decent amount of time. And uh, by decent, I mean like at least over 20 minutes. So, But I guess we'll just go um, go off with, uh, with offense first. I'm not really doing negative, positive. I'm just going to talk about it. But offense, they seem to, uh, the first half at least, the play calling was good. Seems like they were spreading the ball around quite well. Mitch seemed on point. He seemed like he knew exactly where he wanted to pass the ball. They were doing a lot of quick, short passes to get him in rhythm and then, you know, hitting him with the run. And it's, and it's tough to judge this game alone just due to the fact that the Texans aren't exactly a good team. So you have to take everything with a grain of salt, right? I mean, their defense isn't that good. Their off their offense is missing tons of talent on offense. 
Um, missing multiple starters on offense, so Watson didn't really have his full, you know, arrangement of weapons. But you know that's okay because we have to uh, we have to judge them on what they do, rather than you know the excuses of why they did so. You know, people didn't really give Mitch that many excuses of why he was performing badly. So, you know can't really I guess if you're just using the same exact scope you can't really do the same thing with Watson but you know this isn't a podcast about the Texans a podcast about the Bears so um Monty first carry that one huge 80 yard carry for a touchdown opening play of the game beautiful um runs smooth runs so smooth that his head looks stationary on his body like I don't even I feel like his body is separate, or excuse me, his head is separate from his body. I mean, if you look at the replay, he's running like, I don't know, 30, 30 got G-dang miles a second. And his head is perfectly just smooth. It's not even bobbling anywhere. I feel like if you're running that fast, you know, your head's got to be moving a little bit. And his wasn't. Which just really goes to show you how deceptively quick he is. Um, but <laughs> what was frustrating was uh, he finished with a bit over 100 yards in the game. I think it was 113. I might be wrong. But he only had 10 more carries after that first 80-yard carry. And I think even going into the third or fourth quarter, he only had like five more carries. And... This is leads me to the whole entire play calling of, for whatever reason, they feel this need to try and switch it up between Montgomery and Cordero Patterson. I like Patterson, you know, he's a good guy, seems to be all in on the team, seems to be a good offensive player, definitely a good special teams player, but it seems like they're just too focused on thinking that Patterson is this X-factor who's going to change this game and flip it on his head. When in reality, he's not. He's just not that. He's a good special teams player, and maybe if we had a better play caller, I mean, I'm not a offensive genius by any, you know, by any definition, but it seems like they're really not utilizing him the way that they think that they're utilizing him. It seems like they want him to be this type of special X-Factor player who really is just a... or The way that they use him is really just basic in terms of they'll run the ball to the left, they'll run the ball to the right, maybe they'll do a, a jet sweep, um, maybe they'll do a screen with him. Who knows? all the possibilities there but in reality he could probably be utilized better but it's just this play calling once again I don't think is living up to its full potential one thing one phrase that kept on entering my head also by the way sorry if you are hearing noises I live in a house with three other people and people are walking around and talking so you hear stuff sorry hold on one second
had to walk away for a second. I had to close my door. It wasn't even closed all the way. What an idiot I am. Then I put a jacket at the bottom of the door to try and seal it a little bit because we have hollow core doors in my house. So, not the best sound protection. Anyways, we back at it. I lost my train of thought. Patterson, okay. So yeah, Bears offense is using Patterson in a way that's, in my opinion, not conducive to the team. It seems to end a rhythm more than start a rhythm. It seems like if they just heavily featured Montgomery, the offense would have run a lot better. He seems to be a much more balanced runner, better, you know, just all-around all player for the offense. Um, so third down efficiency is also still a concern. For the whole entire game, the Bears were 3 out of 10 on third down play calls, which is still not ideal. I don't think we've ever been good in that category for the whole entire season, and it hasn't changed in this game. And I was alluding to it before, I just remembered it, but one phrase that kept on popping in, into my head as I was watching this was fool's gold, right? It looks good, the score is great, but it we have to think about who the Bears are facing and who um, the Bears have faced recently and how they performed against those teams. So against this bad Texans team, they performed really well. Last week, they performed against the Lions. The offense performed really well again, but the last second, Mitch fumbled the ball. The Lions took the lead, and they won the game because the defense couldn't stop them. And the Lions aren't that good either. either. So I think a lot of people are kind of have, you know, stars in their eyes right now in terms of looking at this game as some type of big motivational push for the Bears to potentially do a playoff run, which I don't think they will get. I think, like I said, it's fool's gold. So they'll just, I think the Vikings game will be, will be very telling. I personally think it's going to be a crashing back down to earth game where, you know, we just rode this massive high. Like, wow, Mitch outperformed Watson, even outperformed Mahomes, if you want to talk about it that, that way. But what one, but people are just kind of blatantly ignoring that, and not blatantly ignoring, like, consciously. It's more of a subconscious thing, where they're just not really fully realizing. That it was just a bad Texans team that they won against. And obviously, then you know that's not the Bears' fault. You know, you play the teams that you play, and you got to win against the teams that you that you face against. But I mean, history has shown that against good defenses, Mitch has struggled. And I'm not exactly sure if Mitch is going to be able to handle the Vikings next week, especially the Packers. Now, if they beat the Vikings. They can most likely beat the Jags. But I'm just not sure if they can really... If they're going to be able to win against the Packers to even sniff the playoffs. 
I don't even want to talk about playoffs because this whole entire year, this Bears team has pretty much just been fraudulent. Frauds, I, I should say. I'm not apologizing for going 5-1, and one, but they're definitely frauds. And to go on further with my concerns is that in the second half, they only scored six points. And while you can say, you know, they were up 30-7 to seven in the first half, only scoring six points in the second half, especially when your head coach wants to preach about being aggressive and and be, you know, keep your foot on the pedal. That's rather un- unacceptable, in my opinion, to only score six points in the second half. It reminds me of the Giants game in week two, where the Bears offense looked pretty good in the first half, and in the second half they just completely stalled. Albeit that game, we scored a lot less points. So it was okay this game. But against a better team, they would have been able to just get far more points than the Texans would have ever been able to. Um, but on the other side of the ball, defense. Defense came to play. They had a bounce back game. We got a safety by Mack. Um, Roquan got like two sacks, I think eight total tackles. He's been just lighting it up recently. He's been playing lights out every game. Which is really nice to see. And, you know, they had a they had a takeaway. And so overall, pretty good. Got gashed in a couple of runs, but you know, that's gonna happen. And once again, it's a bad Texans offense. One question I have to say is this is a random question, but why does Roquan I don't know if people follow him on Instagram or not. But Roquan Smith on his Instagram story put out a poll on if he th- if on if you, people put ranch or ketchup on their spaghetti and that's just that's a crime against humanity either of those options i've never even heard of that option until like a couple days ago so or i guess yesterday but i digress he's a psychopath but i love it because i mean if that's if he has to each eat spaghetti with ranch to keep that edge Back up the truck full of spaghetti, man. Give him that spaghetti. Give him that ranch. Just feed it to him. Okay? Um, overall, defense, good. So, moving on. Special teams, also good. Santos had two field goals here that he made in the second half. Got all the extra points. I think there was a stat that he is, like, broke the... He might have, like, the, the top... Bears accuracy rating or something this year out of the previous Bears kickers, which is nice, which alludes to my previous episode, which is like the Bears gave up everything just to get a good kicker again. But, you know, what are you going to do about that? But overall, it was a complete game by the whole team. Every phase did its job. The offense got over 30 points. Special teams got a turnover kicker made his kicks and the defense held up and got a turnover as well and got sacks and a safety it's like it's everything that you want from a team uh next going into uh, my first segment player watch i kind of talked about this last week player watch is just because the bears don't really have a good chance of making the playoffs and so it's just to be on the lookout of players to watch that are young and could be up and coming 
you know, contributors on this team going forward. My first bullet point is Komet. Cole Komet is a tank. I love the dude. And I don't know if that's just because he's from Illinois, from Arlington Heights. And I just want him to do well because it's kind of a cool story that, you know, you draft the hometown kid in the second round. He becomes this really good, you know, offensive player and everybody kind of rallies around him. He stays with the team, you know, till he retires. But dude just won't go down easily, which is a lovely sight to see from previous years with Adam Shaheen where you know you sneezed on him and he just fell down and he got a concussion I mean that's all you really gotta say he has good hands decent speed good blocking he seems like the total package and I think it's just a matter of play calling is holding him back which I alluded to in the offensive segment, in terms of just the play calling is still very confusing, confusing despite the amount of points that we scored. So yeah, commence a, a tank, and it seems like only now Nagy and Co. are realizing that they should get the ball to him more often because it takes a whole entire platoon of defenders to bring him down. Next player to bring up is Jalen Johnson, another rookie. Uh, overall, I think he had a decent game. I mean, it's hard to say that any DB had a bad game when the offense only scored seven points. But one thing to keep an eye out is that he had a shoulder injury, and I think he got it during that goal line tackle on Deshaun Watson. So hopefully he's okay. There's not a lot of word on it right now. Um, it'd be a pretty big blow for the Bears' defense to lose Johnson at the end of the season especially if they are even trying to get an injury, or not an injury, playoff push. So yeah, one thing to keep an eye on, Nichols. Bilal Nichols continues to perform well in a starting role. It's another late-round draft pick by Ryan Pace that seems to be panning out, which is a positive thing for the team going forward, to get good, you know, decent young talent late in the draft is important for any team to succeed. I think he got a sack or two. He helped, you know, on that one drive that Watson got sacked for safety. So keep an eye out for Bilal Nichols. Seems to be just shining every week, in and out. And then, of course, another player watch is David Montgomery. I'm also going to keep, sorry, real quick, I'm going to be keeping this segment just more younger players. So of course, you know, you have Allen Robinson who had a great game and those type and you know, veterans who had great games. But I'm going to try to focus on the segment more on younger players. Um, but David Montgomery, of course, he had that 180-yard run for a touchdown, which is his longest in his whole entire career including college. So I'm happy that he was able to get a big run, but I'm sad to see that the play calling is still, for whatever reason, not utilizing him to his full potential. And then Darnell Mooney. He got a touchdown. He's made some great grabs, great runs. And I think if he was on any other high-tier offense, the whole entire NFL would know about Darnell Mooney. He is very good as a rookie, especially from the fifth round. 
He makes every catch that he can, you know, that's in his vicinity. He's fast. He's a good route runner, and he's smart. That's pretty rare for a wide receiver in his rookie year, especially coming out from the fifth round. And then last, but certainly not least, or maybe I might add a couple more, but Roquan Smith had another great game, had two sacks, had like eight so like had eight tackles. And he's been lights out these past few weeks. And one player to watch on the offensive line is the current center, who's Sam Mustafer. I think he's an undrafted free agent. And a lot of people have been talking about how great he's been doing. I know Olin Krutz has been talking about how good Mustafer has been and how he was excited for him to play. And even players on the Bears team have been talking about how he just commands the offensive line, despite not really having any, you know, I guess what you could call credit. He's pretty much brand new to it, and he's uh, essentially doing a very good job replacing Whitehair. So I had to take a swig of some bourbon. So yeah. That concludes my players to watch. Next, we're going on to questions from the people. These are questions that I get from people on Twitter, friends who also watch the Bears, and I try to talk about what they ask what they ask me. So I have two questions today, both from my friend Andy. And the first one is, how do you rebuild this offensive line? And what do I think about the reshuffling of the offensive line? I think the reshuffle. I'm going to answer the second part first. I think the reshuffling has definitely made the run game better. And it seems to have a more cohesive feel and complete sense of a unit in terms of it seems like they're better at pass protecting. It seems like they're better at running, at run blocking. Now, that could also be because they've. I think they've only had this one unit for about two weeks in a row. And that's from left to right, like Leno, um, Whitehair, Mustafer, Bars, and then Effetti. Jermaine Effetti at right tackle. But it seems for the most part that unit is getting the job done. And I think going forward, I think that's an interesting combination because you might have a special, you know, hidden gem in the, you know, in the rough with Mustafer at center. Because you can return Whitehair as a guard, and you can bring back Daniels as a guard. And that's a, could be a potential solid interior offensive line. And to go into how do you rebuild the offensive line, I think you just have to focus on replacing the tackles. Massey and Leno are, both, are currently both very iffy. Some weeks they're average, but then other weeks they're just bad. Massey seems to allow a lot of people to just run right by him. Same with Leno sometimes. I see a lack of effort from both of them in certain plays where they just seem to like, maybe not a lack of effort, but they just seem to not be able to block their guy. 
um, without help. And I think a big thing was that they benched Rashad Coward. It seems as soon as they benched him, all of a sudden the line has gotten significantly better. Now, now not, they're not perfect, but they're better than before. Which is saying something. And then the second question from Andy is what does this win mean for Nagy and Pace, especially if they go 9-7? and seven? And that's a great question, Andy. What does this win mean for Nagy and Pace? Now, if they lose out, this win doesn't mean anything, in my opinion, because they'll miss the playoffs, and Mitch will be a failed will be a failed draft pick, and I think the Bears are going would would fire Pace and Nagy if they miss the playoffs. Because they allowed Phil Emery to fire Lovey Smith after going 10-6 and six while missing the playoffs. And that's not to say, you know, Lovey Smith was, you know, great that year. I think they started, like, I think they started the year 7-1 and one or something. They went 10-6 and six to finish, which isn't good. So that's not in a defense of Lovey Smith. That's just saying, I've seen people talk about how if they... You know, beat a couple teams at the end, but they, you know they just missed the playoffs and they're eight and eight, you know, or nine and seven or something. That Nagy and Pace will keep their jobs, and I don't think that's actually I don't think that's accurate because it seems to me that the front office will at least fire somebody if they've gone so many years without you know even appearing in the playoffs. Now, if they make the playoffs, that's a different story. That's a very interesting story, too, because it could mean a lot of different things. It could be that the front office decides decide to give Pace and Nagy both, like, a one-year extension. Or maybe, I don't know, I don't know how those things work. Maybe a two-year extension. I don't know what is the usual for that. But essentially a, okay, you're able to scrape up another enough scraps of this team to get into the playoffs despite losing six straight which would point towards a change in coaching in terms of Nagy was able to figure out what to do in order to propel them into the playoffs and then Pace so far he's, his draft from the 2020 draft seems to be like a very solid draft I mean if Cole Komet continues to to develop and then he has he has Darnell Mooney in the fifth and Jalen Johnson. Those are three picks with that. Very good picks, solid picks I should say. Without even having the first. And I think it's just I think it would be difficult for the front office to release them. Release specifically maybe more pace because he has quite a few hits in the later rounds. First round is obviously a different story. We've had Kevin White, Trubisky, Leonard Floyd, and at least two out of those three that I mentioned seem to be busts. Leonard Floyd seems to be having a, a resurgence in, in, in L.A. with the Rams. And then, of course, you also can't discount 
the pick of Roquan Smith, who seems to be finally becoming that, you know, number one linebacker that the Bears have expected him to be. So I could see a situation where they maybe extend pace for a year, but even if he extends pace for a year, you know, I don't think pace is going to be, I don't know if he would be allowed to fire Nagy and then hire a new coach because if that new coach does poorly and then Pace is fired then I mean you have the I mean you have that whole entire thing of the Bears front office it's like this it'd be like the Browns from you know a few years ago every couple years that we're getting a new GM and new head coach and that's not exactly what you want with your franchise because despite what a lot of people think, this is what I wanted to talk about. So to answer, I guess to answer Andy's question, what does the win mean for nagging pace right now? Right now, it doesn't really mean anything. It means that they were able to beat a bad team and that they're better than a bad team. And if they lose against the Vikings, and if especially if they lose against the Jags, I mean, I don't... I can't see how Nagy survives the season. Maybe if they want to give Pace some more time because he has been able to hit some good good picks with later rounds, maybe that will happen. And if you, re, if you believe the reports that the front office likes Ryan Pace, then it's definitely he would be around for maybe like a couple of years longer. Um... But I think the biggest interesting thing is if they go 9-7. and Because if they go 9-7 and and they make the playoffs somehow, and especially if they win a game or two, if they win a game or two, I think Nagy and Pace will both be back. That's just what I believe. So, um, And then what I wanted to talk about at the end was drafting. And it also talks about what the Texans win means. I mean, I see people online complaining about how this win means that the Bears will have a worse draft location, which means that we're just stuck in this, like, mid-tier hell. And I don't think that's really true at all. I think people can see that about in, like, the NBA. Because the NFL has a unique drafting experience in terms of positioning where for basketball it seems like it's full of maybe top five talent or more albeit i'll have the caveat of that i'm not a huge nba fan but it always seems like every year it's outside of the top five players or so it's kind of a crapshoot now if i'm wrong feel free to tell me but it seems like you need to have a good scorer on your team to make it elite. And the NBA and the NFL, excuse me, is just built different in terms of just because you can't get one position like a quarterback, which is obviously important, doesn't mean you can't get another good player at a different position. Like an offensive lineman or a you know, running back or a linebacker, whatever you want to, you know, pick. So I see people talking about how actually this win is bad because this gives the Bears a worse draft drafting location 
But I think what I have to talk about there is that being drafting in the top five consistently doesn't mean you're a good football team. Especially if you do it consistently. I mean, you only have to see the Bears. I mean, you could see the Bears when they drafted Trubisky at number two. We had the number two, we had the number three overall pick, and then we moved up to the spot two to draft Mitch. And that didn't really, you know, lead us to being a better team. Now, if Pace, of course, if he decided to draft Mahomes, which was his second quarterback on his list, you know, we might be talking differently. But just because you have a high draft pick doesn't mean you automatically will get a better player. You could even see last round, or last year, with the Lions, they picked Jeff Okuda, a cornerback who was supposed to be the number one cornerback in the lead, in the league, excuse me, in the draft. Sorry, it's late. And right now, he doesn't really seem to be that promising. Despite them having a top five pick, I think he was like the number third overall pick. So just because you you can get a high draft position doesn't necessarily mean that's going to solve a lot of your problems. Yes, maybe you can have, I think a higher draft pick just means that you have a higher potential at drafting a supposed high tier draft pick. That's all that it means. It's just a guess. It's not a for sure thing. Any player that you might see to be a for sure bet in college, that does not mean that they will be a success in the NFL. And that's just the way it is. When Jamarcus Russell was coming out, he was touted as a generational arm talent, yet he was one of the worst busts of like all time. So I'm kind of sick of seeing just the whole entire... I mean, I enjoy watching the Bears win. When I got to see the Bears win on Sunday, it lifted my mood. It made me feel happy about the rest of the Sunday. It's making this week a hell of a lot easier at work. Now, that might be some, like, you know, hard like, sports feeling. Oh, I'm a big sports fan. I like football. Football means everything. But that's not, you know... I don't like to think of myself as that, but it's definitely, it hits different when you can watch your, a team that you support and you can watch them win. It's a nice feeling. And so I don't think, you know, consistently losing and getting top draft picks means that you're automatically going to be a successful franchise. I mean, the Browns have been trying to do that for the past 20 years, and only now has it been working out. So if you want to go that way, be my guest. But there's been so many examples of teams finding elite franchise-changing players in the late first round or even later rounds. So in terms of draft position, I don't find it to be a humongous concern. But for today's podcast, that's about it. Texans at Bears. Bears win big. I think it's Fool's Gold. I think we'll be back to, you know, back to the mean 
by next week against the Vikings, but I'll be happily surprised if we somehow win again. So if you want to talk to me on Twitter, you can find me at BearZogle. I live tweet during the games, and feel free to, you know, interact with me. You can ask me questions that I can talk about on the podcast, Bare Minimum Podcast. And I hope to see you then. Outro music is by 8-Bit Jazz on YouTube. You can find his stuff there. And once again, you can find me at BearZocal on Twitter. Thank you and for listening. Thank you for listening. Have a have a good day. See ya.